0: Welcome to the Men in Hoodies podcast, where we take you on an excursion through everything in the sports world, trending news, hot conversations, heated debates, and unlike shows such as First Taken Undisputed, things that you, the listeners, actually want to hear. Let's now go to your hosts, the man that the water shows, Brent Lyons, the OG, Roman Cleary, hey, that's me, and of course, the always jubilant, Jake Stoop.
1: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Men in Hoodies podcast. I'm your host, Jake Stoop, alongside Roman Cleary and Brent Lyons. If you have not already, go check out last week's show, where we go over the KD Nets drama, as well as our playoff standings. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, go check out Brent's Instagram to fill out a survey so that we know you want to be part of the show. Today, we will cover the story of Manti Teo, the Deshaun Watson suspension news, the Memphis Tigers offering Bronny James, and finally our NFL playoff predictions. Now, before we get into all that, sort of like last week, let's start out with a different question. Roman, you can start us off. What is your greatest fear in life? What what are you looking at there?
0: Snakes. Undoubtedly. <laughs> snakes. So fast. I, ever since I was a child, I just have had this like aura about snakes. I didn't take, you know, the whole thing about snakes as seriously, you know, at first. But one time I was walking up on a bush in my, at my grandparents' house. They used to live, like, out in the country and stuff. And they had, like, this big, tall bush right in front of their house. And I was, like, walking up to it one time. And the bush all of a sudden started slithering and all that. A snake was coming. And I just darted away. <laughs> I just, like, became the flash for about two seconds. Just turned on the boosters, turned on the jets. And I have been in complete fear of snakes ever since. The way they're just able to, you know, sneak around and slither. You know, if they bite you, you could be like poisoned and stuff. Everything about snakes just sounds like evil and bad and just like horrifying. And like, uh, yeah, I just
2: can't really stand snakes.
1: I agree <laughs> with you. I hate them with a passion.
2: All right. I Fair. guess that brings it, brings it to me. Um, my fear it's not heights, but it's probably gonna have to be like when you're in a plane. Like if it fell, if it just stopped working, like and you're just flying, you're just falling through the air. What are you gonna do? Like I, there, it's not like a fear of heights. Uh-huh. I'm fine with heights, but like there's just nothing you can do about it. So like you're kind of stuck there where the plane's falling and everything's going everywhere. Kind of crazy moment, but you know.
1: No, I agree. Whenever we take off, I'm like, this is it. If we die, I'm dead. (laughs) If we if we fall, I'm dead. I think that every single time.
0: Like unless you have the next Sully as your pilot, you're done. So.
1: (laughs) In every movie, they seem to you know find a way to survive, but I feel like that's not usually how it works in life. I don't
2: think that's I don't think that's real life. Uh, Yeah,
1: no, probably not. Uh, But mine is definitely Heights. That's my main one. If you know me well, you know if I'm ever on a balcony that's even a couple stories tall, it will take a lot to even get me near the rail, you know, not even, nonetheless, like, touching it and looking over. Like, that is the worst fear for me. It, if I'm by myself, I can do it sometimes, but when other people around me, for some reason, I just fear that they're going to push me off or something, I don't know why. Um, and then, maybe a trust issue. And then another one is bugs. For some reason, when I have bugs around me, my number one instinct is to murder it at all costs. I do not want anything to do with the bug. Whenever I take my dog out at night, the light turns on, like there's a motion light outside the door, and whenever I come back, there are like hundreds of bugs just swarming this thing, and I have to I usually stay out there for as long as possible and just smack them against the wall because that's how much I hate them. I don't get why they're even on this planet. They don't make any sense. Um so that's mine. Wow. I hate bugs. Uh, but we're going to start off today by talking about a guy named Manti Teo, a former linebacker um, for Notre Dame, had some successful years, successful years in the NFL, but he's got a very interesting story. This has been a very popular story recently. So Roman, tell us what happened and what are your thoughts on it?
0: Okay, so I wanted to get into the Manti Teo thing on this week's episode of the podcast because, you know, as you all know, a documentary called Untold, the girlfriend that didn't exist premiered on netflix earlier this week and it blew up became like one of the most watched things on you know on netflix i of course watched it i recommend you do as well it's about it's only two episodes about an hour each shouldn't take you that long to get through it but manti teo is a big time you know phenomenon of college football a legend of college football that many people forget about and it's just, this is a super interesting story to look back on, especially with college football coming up, you know, very, very soon in about like the next like two weeks or three weeks or something like that. So Manti Teo, let's just start with his story. He is one of the best high school football players in the nation in the class of 2009. Number one linebacker, five star, all of that. He's got all the schools coming after him, ends up going to Notre Dame. And, of course, when you hear that now, you're like, oh, duh, he goes to Notre Dame over some of these other schools. But Notre Dame, while a legendary program still at that time, it was down. Notre Dame was not quite the program that it once was. And Manti Teo was the guy who was largely credited for bringing Notre Dame back to, you know, its full-on power. And by, by the time we get to his senior year, he is, like, one of the best players in all of college football. He's obviously the number one guy on campus at Notre Dame. But he starts this online relationship with a woman named uh, Lene Kakua. I mean, we've all, you know, at least tempted the idea of an online dating thing before. And this was during, you know, Facebook at the height of its power. So, yeah, he gets involved online with this woman named Lene Kakua, And they, you know, they, they get really close. This turns into a really serious thing. He even lies to his parents about having met her when he actually hadn't. Her whole story was that she was from Carson, California. She's going to school at Stanford. So, you know, it's believable. And she's got these relatives on Facebook. So definitely looks like a real person. And, you know, after a while, the relationship, unfortunately, starts to sour things, you know, start going down, start going bad. And Manti Teo pretty much says... All right, I'm about done with this. Um, I appreciate you being there for me, but I don't know if I need this anymore. And after that, his grandmother dies on September 11th of 2012. Obviously, super devastating. And then he gets a call from a guy who is supposedly Lene Kukua's cousin, and uh, he informs him he informs Manti Teo that she has died of leukemia it, before it was established that uh, uh, Linnea had gotten into a car accident and they discovered that she had leukemia while she was being treated after, you know, the injuries of the car accident. So Linnea Kukua has died of leukemia and this becomes a major, you know, inspirational story in college football because of the tragedies that man Titeo suffered and because of how much of a star he was already Everyone around the nation rallies around Manti Teo. They root for him, and he builds a lot of momentum, has this fantastic season, 113 tackles, five-and-a-half sacks, seven interceptions after – he didn't even record an interception before his senior year, and he gets seven in his senior season. One of the greatest seasons that a linebacker has ever had in the history of college football. And because of how big of a story you know, this was, how great of a player Manti Teo was – And, you know, because sports writers are the ones that vote for the Heisman Trophy, Manti Teo ends up finishing third in the Heisman Trophy standings. He loses it to the legendary season that Johnny Manziel had. And Notre Dame goes on to face Alabama in the 2013 National Championship. Notre Dame unfortunately loses that. Alabama wins it. But shortly after that, um, Deadspin, who previously got a tip that this whole Lene kakua thing may have been a hoax they bring out the story and it breaks the internet and everyone turns on man as a result because they first think oh wow he might have been involved in this and um and and all that and he you know fabricated the story to get attention you know get support and all that which does happen a lot in social media and people think man Teo was the latest example of this And then there's rumors coming out about him saying that, oh, he's gay, and he did this to cover up that. Um, Long story short, this tanks his draft stock, and he ends up falling to the second round. And he has a successful NFL career for about a decade. Um, I'm not going to go into full detail of what exactly happened with the whole catfishing thing, because that would spoil the documentary for people who want to watch it on here, but this, you know, this whole story, this whole hoax for this catfishing thing, th- it, by the way, the person behind all of it was this was this man named Runea Tuasosopo, who is now Aww. a transgender woman named Naya Tuasosopo. Um He's the one that was behind it. Forgot to mention that. But um, anyway, this whole story pretty much derailed the entire career of Manti Teo. And if this had never happened, maybe Manti Teo becomes a premier linebacker in the NFL. He would have probably been a first round draft pick if it weren't, you know, for this whole thing going down. So this ends up costing Manti Teo millions of dollars and a potential like super successful career in the National Football League. So this is one of those things that, you know, shook. The football world, the sports world, this even went beyond sports for the longest time. Tusa Sopo actually was featured in an, ep- in an episode of Dr. Phil because of all this. Huh. So, yeah, Manti Teo is one of the bigger what ifs, you know, in sports history and NFL history of college, you know, football history because you know this went down. So, this was just super. Wow interesting, and again, if you want to hear even more about it, just go check out the documentary on Netflix, because it's, you know, pretty crazy, at least in my opinion.
2: Wow.
1: Pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, either way, that motivated him to have the best season he, you know, he could have had, so that's that's a pretty cool part about it.
0: Yeah, it was, but because it all turned out to, you know, just be a hoax. And, like, the sad part is that, like, Manti Teo just handles it so well. He handles it with grace. You can see that by the way he comes across in the documentary. And if you watch it, it's actually pretty easy to understand how he could have been tricked, how he could have possibly been catfished. Like, when you, you know, see like, let's say a follow request on Instagram from, like, a pretty woman or whatever, but she isn't followed by anyone that you're following and she has like a bunch of followers, but she is hardly following anyone back stuff like that. It's pretty easy to tell, okay, this person isn't real. This is most likely some sort of scam that I'm walking into. I mean, that's pretty easy to say nowadays, but it really wasn't like that. You know, with 2011 in 2012, people really had no idea that catfishing was a thing, at least not, you know, like we do today. So this really showed the world, like how dangerous, that could even be. So that's another significant part about it, at least for me.
1: I think it said on there that, like, that person had even managed to have a few, fit like, friends that he was friends with or something like that. So that was another part of it that I wanted to hit on. That was another confusing part about it. Um, but another one I saw that, you know, he came from Hawaii and that he prior- his family prioritized faith in football which might be a reason why he handled it so well. Kind of going through all that stuff, I bet that was extremely hard for him. And, you know, I can't imagine how he was feeling in that moment. So, that's pretty ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and Rania, to a Sosopo, he came from that same type of background. Except, wow. you know, he was just a little different. He just wasn't exactly who his family was trying to make him to be. He was playing quarterback, you know, playing football. But in reality, he hated football. You know, he liked men, you know, and apparently he thinks he's a a woman. Like, obviously, those are not the types of things that uh, you want to, you know, be thinking or be feeling when you're in that type of culture and that type of family. So this is pretty much a story of like two, like very seemingly similar people coming from, you know, very similar backgrounds, but going in complete directions. And yet somehow meeting in the middle once again, and it kind of causes things to spiral out of control, you know, for both of them. Brent, final
2: thoughts on it? I think it's a crazy story. I'm definitely gonna have to probably check that out, look a little more into it. But that's crazy. But nothing really serious to add. You guys pretty much hit the hit all the points.
0: Yeah, and- you said it was on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, untold the girlfriend that didn't exist. It's also like one of those things where kind of one of those stories that goes under the radar. And our generation, you know, us being like 18 and 17, we're like a little bit too young to like truly understand like what happened during that time when it actually happened. So this is one of those things that like, you know, since our younger generation doesn't really know about, I think it'd be pretty, you know, easy to talk about, you know, interesting to talk about since a lot of our, you know, listeners are in that, you know, younger age group. So,
1: yeah. Well, this story definitely raises awareness to a generation who is in desperate need for information like this. So I love that story. Uh, Moving on, recent news. Deshaun Watson actually was originally suspended for six games. The NFL appealed, and now he is only going to be suspended for 11. So he must go through therapy and pay a fine of $5 million, in order for the eleven-game reinstatement to go through, what do y'all think about it? Do you think well? We've already sort of talked about if this is a fair treatment. So, what what are your thoughts on it in in general?
2: Uh, I thought six games originally was like I mean, obviously, I thought it should have been a little more. But when we talked about it was six, I was like, okay, it's at the end of the day, like it's going to be fine. Like I'm not going to be worried, like too worried about it. He got some, he got a punishment for it, and I didn't think the league was going to like take too much action for it I definitely agree that they want to do a season or anything like that so I'm glad they didn't do that um the question for me is why 11 that just kind of seems like a weird number like why not 12 or 10 it just feels weird to like throw a middle like an odd number in there 11 just seems kind of weird to me but I think it's all right um they'll get him back at a time in the season where they're probably really going to need him uh so I think that that could help the Browns out of course but uh at the same time, uh, I mean, there's not like – I feel like the Browns kind of – it's kind of really late in the season. It could help them out a little bit, but they're going to be looking more towards next year, probably as the chance to really make a play with uh, Watson and all that. But I think like the money uh, is just like he could pay that off like in a second. He makes that much money in like a week. So it's not like the money part wasn't really a huge thing. Uh, the, the rehab is kind of interesting. I don't know what they're – planning to accomplish with the rehab but I mean I feel like it's an interesting ad it could be good I don't really know what the the goal the end goal is for that is but I mean I would assume just to get his mind right yeah but but, like there's no like at the end of the day he could fake it he could do whatever he could just go like it's not like a it's nothing that's proven to help him it's not like when you're like injured and you're like rehabbing your leg, and you can see that your leg's gonna feel better. Like he could do all this stuff and just be the exact same person. Like it's not like there's nothing that's there that's gonna that. I mean, it could help him, but I just don't see the point in forcing it.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Roman, what you got?
0: I love when you were introducing this that you still only said, like you said, only because it's fitting to still say only 11 games because this still isn't enough, at least in my opinion. I really think that the NFL should have made more of an effort to make an example out of the Watson. If you want to assault women, if you want to, you know, be inappropriate with women, you should not be allowed to play professional football. I've made my feelings on this very clear over the past month or so. I, not only think he should be suspended indefinitely for the entire season i not and i also think that he should just not be allowed to play professional football ever again and i know that second part is a stretch i know that's pretty much impossible but i think that's what it really should be but the in the nfl made it pretty clear that they were going for the full season suspension but because they wanted to avoid a lawsuit with the nfl pa they ended up settling on this whole 11 game agreement 11 is a pretty weird number but it's not so weird when you take a look at the game that Sean Watson is going to be returning he is going to be returning in week 13 at Houston that is when he's returning coincidence i don't know if it is or not you can think about that what you mm-hmm. will but at That's the weird end of the day this is still definitely an under punishment for Deshaun Watson. I still don't think this, you know, punishment fits the crime here. As people like to say, 11 games, still just a little bit too small for me. And I get the point that Brent's trying to make here with saying, why force the therapy? Because let's be honest, people like Deshaun Watson never change. They never do. This behavior will likely continue for the rest of Deshaun Watson's life, but you still have to put the therapy in there just to, you know, yep. show that you're trying and all that. And with a $5 million fine, the the Browns originally structured Deshaun Watson's contract to make it to where any fine that he may suffer from a suspension without pay, you know, it wouldn't hit him too hard. So, and the NFL was like, uh-uh, that ain't happening. So that is why the $5 million fine is there, if I had to guess. so I've actually
1: got a stat on that. Yeah. Um, it was originally going to be 12 games and 10 million, but the players association said no to that. So they just took back a game and took back 5 million. I honestly, I think both of it gets the point across, Um, but Roman, if you're done, I'll go into my take. Was that pretty much it?
0: Yeah, that was pretty much it. Just, I, I I just don't think it's enough,
1: but yeah, go on. I mean, yeah, from what he did, I understand. I've said my comments about this in the past. I don't know if a full season is the right thing to do, I think really anything at this point shows that the NFL is really meaning it when they say this is not a good thing, and I mean he sat out all last season already, so really he's already but that was he's on taking, his own accord. Yeah, he was
0: supposed to sit out and he got paid every single dime for it.
1: Yeah, true, true. But either way, no matter what, he's missing already over twenty games of football, probably even close to thirty. Um, this actually this suspension. Will go into effect on August 30th. So Roman already hit on it, but preseason games don't count if you're questioning that. Um, During this time, he'll be allowed um, in limited team activities and facilities and stuff like that. So he's not being suspended entirely from football. He'll still be able to practice on his own as well as, you know, go to practice. I don't know if he'll be able to participate in practices necessarily, but he'll still be there. Um, And the NFL really was focusing on the fact that this is what they have done in the past with performance enhancing drugs and stuff like that which is what, you know, the CBS article says. But at the same time, if you're really basing on which one is worse, drugs or sexual assault, I agree with Roman entirely. I would say that this is a little worse, and that really affects um, you as a person more than it does your football game. So I can see why the NFL does that. They might prioritize the level of playing on the field rather than what you decide to do off the field. So I kind of understand that. Um, But the way I view a lot of things in life, um, the way I view this situation as well, We are talking about the rehab just because someone does something bad and they might do it afterward doesn't mean you have to put a limitation on it or, or, you know, a punishment on it. Just because someone might not change doesn't mean you can't have it. You still have to make the effort to make sure they know that this is not something that you can do. This has got to be something that you can change. So I completely agree with the rehab, whether it helps or not. I hope that this situation really helps him know that we want to help him. We want to help him, you know, be changed. We're not going to completely disown him for some of these wrong acts, wrong acts that he's done. We've got to show I, him a little grace. So
0: I'm disowning him. I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I will say that right now. I am disowning Deshaun Watson. I am completely rooting for him to fail. I hope he never passes for another touchdown in the NFL ever again. I hope he throws an interception on every single pass that he throws. I understand he's a very good quarterback. So those two things are not very realistic. But that's what I'm rooting for. And not just because he's on the Cleveland Browns. Because he's a disgusting, awful human being. And he's made that obvious, not only because of his actions, but because of the things that he says, the way that he carries himself. You get those weird vibes from him every time he talks into a microphone. I'm disowning Deshaun Watson, and I'm hoping for for him to fail. That's how it is for me. If you guys want to view it differently, that's on you. But no, I'm not. I'm just going to make it clear. I don't support him at all and probably never will again. He's completely lost my respect. Brett?
2: um if you're asking me if I'm disowning him I don't know what I can necessarily disown him from considering he's not a part of like my family or anything so that's a little weird but uh I mean I agree with Jake more on this one I don't think I mean obviously he's done some pretty terrible things but there's never a point of no return really obviously that's kind of going to scar his record and reputation and whenever somebody sees him that's what they're going to see pretty much and yeah that doesn't help but I'm also not going to hold him to a higher standard than I would hold myself on that. So I can't like not by any means disowning him. If that's a word that I can use. I mean, I'm never going to for first failure. If he goes
1: through the process and shows that he's willing to change, then absolutely. I'm going to back him because he's, you know, he's made all these bad decisions and he's showing that he actually wants to change. I mean, at that point, like you've made the change in your life, but you know, if he goes through this process and continues to show that he is going to mess up, and continues to show that he's going to try to hide it, then, Roman, I'm not with you necessarily, but it would make me really think that this is a guy that doesn't need to be back in the league anymore because it's, it's harder and harder to forgive somebody once they've done this stuff over and over and over again, even to the point of where you've been fined and suspended and people have tried to help you. So I agree with with both of y'all on that when you're looking at the extreme end of, extreme end of it, but I really think that at this point he's – He's agreeing to this stuff. He agrees with the suspension. And I think that, you know, we've got to try to show him a little grace while he's trying to, you know, at least maybe partially make a change.
0: He doesn't deserve our grace. Wait, what What part of oh, this? Why, major-
1: though? Why, though? What if, what if you were in his position and you did all this and you finally realized how your actions were affecting other people and yourself, and what if you wanted grace? I mean, you know the what I'm problem, saying?
0: The problem is that I don't think Deshaun Watson acknowledges – his, you know, the his actions at all. He said over and over again that I'm. He, he's still maintaining his innocence. He's still saying that he didn't do anything wrong. And you think that he's actually showing remorse? You think that he's recognizing what he did wrong? He's clearly not doing that at all. Like, th- this is totally ridiculous how we're even considering showing him forgiveness when he really does not deserve it. That's the point of forgiveness. Well, I don't, I don't know. You may, we, you may need to just draw the line at this point, man. I don't like. I, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, frown upon y'all if you want to approach this the way that you are. But like, this is not a good person, and I don't think he deserves our, our support. I really don't.
2: I didn't say I support him. I don't support so, his never, at all. No. Like, I don't like. That's never something that I'm going to support or rally behind. But at the same time, I'm not going to like if he makes a change. And right now, I'm with you. Like I'm not going to like if there's no change. If there's no if there's no like clearly he he does it again, that would be awful. If he continues to show no change and there's signs of change, then I'm not going to like. I'm not going to say I disown him, or I'm not going to say I think he's too far gone or whatever it is or that he like i'm not gonna wish on his prey on his downfall or anything like that but like at the same time i'm not gonna let if i did something wrong i don't want somebody to hold that against me for the rest of my life especially if i tried after i made that mistake to fix it for the rest of my life but like it's not only it's not like he like stole a twinkie from a gas station like what are we talking about here but he didn't but no one's gonna hold you, for the rest of your life, are you stealing a Twinkie from the gas station? That's not the kind of thing that somebody's going to hold you accountable for for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's the whole
0: point. This is totally different. This is a lot more extreme. Exactly. Like, there there are 25, at least, like, 20 or whatever, how many it is, 20-something accusations, which means there are a lot more. He, we know he's been involved with at least 66 different masseuses this is clearly his character like for lack of a better term he gets off on these kinds of interactions that is the type of person that he is he at the very like worst or at the least i should say is an absolute creep like he gives me creepo vibes every time he talks into a microphone like it is hard for me to say anything nice about him at all and it's just quite astonishing to um even be considering that in my, in my opinion
1: honestly i think it's hard not to mention faith with this that is if if i did not have faith in jesus christ then i would completely agree with you but mm-hmm. i know that he's forgiven people of the worst possible thing that can be done and those people have shown that they can grow from it and change as a person so i don't know if i if I, if i was deciding this I would keep Watson out and give him as much rehab as possible, but this is not me deciding. This is the NFL, and I think for the NFL, the best decision to make is to give him rehab and get his, give him back on the field as, much as as quick as possible. But if he decides that he is going to continue in this, then by all means, suspend him indefinitely. Um, but who knows what will happen there. Do you all have any final thoughts on it? No, I suppose mm-hmm. not. All right, sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll see what type of impact Watson will have when he gets back on the field. Um this past week there was a lot of hype around Bronny James and the universities that were looking at him. We heard about Oregon, USC, some smaller schools, and now Memphis and Penny Hardaway is looking at him. Uh so starting with you, Roman, what do you see in Bronny James? Do you think he's as good as hype to be? And if so, how do you think Penny can help him?
0: Well, social media and all that, is of course hyping Bronny James, because he's LeBron's kid. Like, duh. But the real experts that are actually, you know, talking about the stuff, like, on 24-7 sports, he's only ranked 49th in the country. And LeBron has made it pretty clear that Bronny is only going to be in college or the G League, or wherever he ends up going after high school for only one season before he enters the NBA draft. And because LeBron has already made that clear, you have to question why, you know, schools are heavily going after him because you're only going to have him for one season. And because he's only the 49th best player in the country, I mean, 49th best players in the country, when they commit to a high-level program like the University of Memphis, they typically don't make that big of an impact as a freshman. Now, if this were going to be a multi-year deal, of course, like, go all in on Bronny. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go after Bronny james because that can do all sorts of good things for your program but because of what we've seen with players like Amani bates before this could also bring some all sorts of baggage to your program that you may not want you know to be involved with and because you're probably not going to get a super high level performance from a player like Bronny james as a freshman because of you know where he's ranked and where he's projected to be as a college basketball player in year one is it worth giving him a scholarship to that? I don't know. Now, he could come in and shock the world and be a high-level impact player as a freshman at the University of Memphis or at the University of Oregon or anywhere he ends up going. But I-, I just don't know. This is a real complicated situation, and especially considering Memphis's history with players like this in the past, I just don't know. It's not shocking that Memphis is going after Bronny James because LeBron – Has made it pretty obvious that he loves Penny Hardaway. He's vote, you know, publicly said before that Penny Hardaway is his second best player of all time, only behind Michael Jordan. So LeBron is obviously more than comfortable than with you know giving his son to a a guy like Penny Hardaway because LeBron is super confident that a guy like Penny can help Bronny prepare for the next level, which is where Bronny is going to be, whether he's good enough for it or not after his first year in college or the G league or wherever he ends up. So this is a super, you know, complicated deal. Should you take Bronny? Should you not? It just depends on where you're at with your program. And when you're looking at it from Memphis's perspective, the risk could certainly outweigh the reward. If Bronny honestly doesn't play above what is to be expected of him as the 49th player in the country coming in as a freshman.
2: Uh, For me, I think that, The only reason that so many people are going after him, and no matter what he was ranked, if he was ranked first or if he's ranked 200th, is the fact that he's LeBron's kid. He could be pretty bad at basketball, but I'm pretty sure he'd still find a way to get a D1 offer. Um, It's not necessarily as much the skill and talent that's drawing than to give him an offer. I mean, that's part of it, obviously, but it's more the branding and the name. Uh, LeBron didn't go to college, so getting LeBron James' kid is the, the second best thing you can do here. And the amount of branding and marketing that can come from getting LeBron's kid, the amount of endorsements from LeBron personally, from Nike, from things like that, from having his kid on the team can be huge for a program. So from a marketing perspective and from a kind of like a a beyond basketball perspective, there's that aspect that is huge. Obviously if Bronny's playing, LeBron's going to be there. And that's going to bring a lot more people there just because of the willpower, the, fan base that lebron has behind him so it's just going to draw a lot of people in no matter where he goes so that's why high market programs beyond basketball like oregon and stuff like that are going after them because they may not be the greatest basketball team but they're probably the best college at marketing like memorabilia and stuff like that out into the country like oregon does that really well oregon is like the headquarters for nike and all that stuff so they're really good at this kind of stuff so having somebody like Bronny. Could bring in a lot of revenue, a lot of endorsements with LeBron also on their side. So I think that's one of the main reasons that 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 this is coming about. Um, but to Roman's point, I don't think that he's going to make, I mean, that big of an impact. He's really hyped up. I honestly think his brother might be better than him.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, uh, his, Bryce
2: James is already six six. Yeah, better. He, he's yeah he's six six, but he's also not a senior in high school and. I mean, this – I, Bronny James is good, but from all the hype that I've seen for Bronny since he's been in sixth grade, I would have guessed that he'd be the number one prospect, and he's pretty much – like, he's not. He's not near that. So, like, from the – like, I'm just disappointed at the amount of hype that he's had and how low he is compared to that. And it's really, again, just because he's LeBron's kid. So, I don't really like the fact that, the, like, all of his talent and skill and the reason he's going to be signed is pretty much going to be heavily based on uh, his relations and his family. But, I mean, I either way, LeBron already said, like Roman said, he's going to the league after year one so they can complete the father-son playing in the league together type thing. I mean, if Bronny ever gets on the court besides for the picture of him and Bronny playing side-by-side, uh, I don't think he's – he's not really – like I don't look at him and see an insane NBA talent right now. So that's not like – I don't get why a program, like Roman said, would want to go after him as a basketball player really. I, I never said I don't get
0: why, because you obviously get why, because of the notoriety can bring to your program, the marketing, like you already said, it can bring you. But from a few, pure basketball perspective, it's a yes. huge risk. Because, again, you are only getting him for one season, no matter what. And if you're only getting him for one season, and he's coming in as the 49th best player in his high school class, more likely than not, especially at a high major program like the University of Memphis, he's probably not going to make that much of an impact.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't think he would make that much of an impact year one. And I think that goes against him when it it comes to reasons why he could enroll in Memphis. Is that Memphis is already so deep, he wouldn't have much playing time. He would come in more as a guy, like you said, that would be more hyped off the social media aspect. But overall, I don't think Bronny's bad. I think he's a pretty good player. I mean, when you look at it, he's actually 43rd. Not 49th. That's around the same area that Josh Minot was last year. And Minot is now, you know, in the NBA looking for some rotation minutes in Minnesota, a former seven seed. So you look at guys that have come around his area that have been through the Memphis program. Josh Minot did not make that much of an impact last year, and he's now in the NBA. I mean, you look at guys like Wiseman, Fresh to Chua, Boogie Ellis had his troubles. And then last year, Jalen Dern and Monty Bates. Jalen Dern, obviously is one of the most exciting athletes in, college, in the NBA right now, even as a rookie. And then you've got Amani. He came in hyped. He had his troubles. But I think, Roman, your comparison with him and Amani is pretty pretty on point. Both of them are extremely hyped up in high school. Amani translates better to the NBA than he does in college basketball. But I think Bronny has a different play style than Amani does. He is a very, very good catch and shooter. He's a very good passer. He attacks the paint very, very strongly. I think that him and Imani differ in that area. My, I think really Brony has filled out his body in a way that we didn't expect him to for the first couple of years of high school. He was very skinny. He wasn't that guy that looked like he could, you know, hold his own in college, but really he is a really strong guy. and plays very physical defense as well. Something that Imani lacks. So I think he'd come in. If he were to go to Memphis, he'd be a solid role player. I think Penny now has the smarts not to put him in a very big role after seeing what has happened with Imani, which I think that's a huge blessing to bringing in a bunch of top talent recruits. He's been able to learn how players fit into his system now. And we've seen him had success with that for the past couple of years. So I could see it working out in Memphis. I think he saw it obviously more branding and more popularity for the program is very good. But I think if you bring in Bronny James it is a do or die moment, because if he fails and leaves, all you're going to hear from Bronny is how Memphis didn't expose his talents. But if he succeeds, Bringing in Bronny James and having him go to the NBA, you're always going to have that number one. But also, guys that have been looking up to Bronny all through all the social media will see Memphis as a successful place to come when you're a top talent. So I think that could be huge. Obviously, Memphis has already done that with a couple guys that I've already mentioned. But still, I think that he is he's not really that overhyped. He's pretty good. He's a pretty good basketball player. And I think that if he's a role player on Memphis, he'll do just fine.
0: Yeah, again, this could definitely be more than worth it for the university of Memphis or the university of Oregon or whatever school that ends up getting him committed. But since you're only going to have him for that one season, it's definitely a lot more risky than it would be otherwise.
1: Yeah. Brent, you got anything else on that? Nope. All right. Well, whatever happens with the we will keep you updated if anything comes out. Now we get into the most interesting part of the episode for the past nine or eight weeks, eight weeks it is, we've been going over the NFL division rankings. Last week, we updated you with our playoff standings, and now we get into our playoff predictions. Um, so, starting with you, Roman, I don't know exactly where we're going to start. We might as well start with the AFC. So, give me your wild card predictions for the AFC conference.
0: All right. So, the AFC wild card. Um, my three matchups this is going to feature the number four seed tennessee titans hosting the number five seed las vegas raiders the number three seed pittsburgh steelers hosting the number six seed denver broncos and the number two seed los angeles chargers hosting the number seven seed cincinnati Bengals. starting out i have the raiders defeating the titans on the road i have the broncos defeating the steelers in pittsburgh and I have the Bengals defeating, defeating the 2 seed Chargers. So all three road teams win for me in the AFC Wild Wow.
2: Hmm. Wow. Okay. Guess it's my turn. Um, I'll go in the same order that Roman went. My four-and-five matchup is going to be the Indianapolis Colts versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Indianapolis at four, Las Vegas at five. The three is going to be the Bengals versus the six Denver Broncos. Um, And then the two-seeded Chargers versus the seven-seeded Kansas City Chiefs. And for me, it's going to be Las Vegas, uh, same as Roman, taking it against Indiana – Indianapolis, sorry. And then it's going to be the Bengals taking down Denver. And it's going to be the Chargers taking down Kansas City. So the Chargers, Bengals, and Raiders move on.
1: Okay, I don't know what just happened to my rankings, but they really messed up in the AFC I don't know what happened, but I'll just go off memory. Um, I've got the Indianapolis Colts at the four seed of playing against the Denver Broncos at the five. I've got the Broncos beating the Colts and moving on to the divisional round. I then had the Cincinnati Bengals in there. I think they were playing the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. And I had the Bengals defeating the Raiders. Um, And then I had the Chargers against the seven seed at this point. Doesn't really matter. Chargers win. So, the five seed and the three and two move on for me. Um, So, Roman, now let's get to the NFC. What you got there?
0: Right. NFC wild card is going to feature my three matchups being the number four seed Dallas Cowboys hosting the number five seed San Francisco 49ers, the number three seed NFC North champion Green Bay Packers hosting the six seed Arizona Cardinals, and the number two seed Los Angeles Rams hosting the seven seed Philadelphia Eagles. I have the 49ers defeating the Cowboys. I have the Packers defeating the Cardinals and the Rams beating the Eagles.
2: For me, I have the four-seeded Dallas Cowboys versus the five-seeded Detroit Lions. I have the three-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus six-seeded Philadelphia Eagles and the two-seeded Minnesota Vikings versus seven-seeded San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Dallas destroys the Lions – Uh, Tampa Bay is going to take down uh, Philadelphia and Minnesota beat San Francisco.
1: All right. Again, (laughs) I don't know what is going on with my app or whatever. It just completely switched on me for some reason. Um, But what I did have was I had the Buccaneers playing the seven seed. They were the two. Don't remember who, but they took the win. I had the Minnesota Vikings at three seed. They won, and then I had the Eagles playing. I believe the Green Bay Packers, and this was a tough game for me um, because I, you know, I had to recognize Aaron Rodgers' greatness, but at the same time, you know, I think the Eagles can pull one out here. The wide receivers for Green Bay aren't looking too good this year, so I don't know. I gave the Eagles the win there to move on to the divisional. So Roman, Roman, what you got? What's the divisional round looking like for the AFC?
0: All right. So my AFC divisional matchups, we have kind of a Weird one here. We have the five seed Las Vegas Raiders hosting the six seed Denver Broncos and the number one seed Buffalo Bills hosting the seven seed Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to have the Broncos defeating the Raiders and I have the Bills mm. beating the Bengals. So my AFC championship is the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos.
1: Mm.
2: Hmm. I can see that. Well, kind of, not really because I didn't have them, but. If our, if our, my path was what your path was, I could see that. But for me, I have the Chargers versus the Bengals and as the two and three seed. And number one, Bills taking on the number five, Raiders. And for me, I have the Chargers beating the Bengals. And I have the Bills beating the Raiders. So my AFC championship is versus the Chargers.
1: Okay. For me, I had the Bengals playing against the Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos playing against the Buffalo Bills. For this one, I am very high on the Chargers, but I think the Bengals had a lot of issues last year and another year with experience, especially going so deep in the playoffs. I think that matters. I say the Bengals defeat the Chargers on the road, and then I've got Buffalo versus Denver. I think Buffalo takes that one. Denver looks good, but Buffalo is just such a complete team.
0: All right. So your AFC championship is the Bills and the Bengals?
1: Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as we get into this conference championship round, let's let's get a little more analysis. Let's hear why each team won here. So, Roman, starting with you, who wins your AFC championship?
0: We, we have to do the NFC Divisional.
1: Oh, that's true. NFC Divisional, what's up?
0: All right, yeah. Okay, so NFC Divisional playoffs – We have the one seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the five seed San Francisco 49ers. And we have the number two seed Los Angeles Rams hosting the number three seed Green Bay Packers. I have the 49ers shocking Tampa Bay with first year quarterback Trey Lance, (laughs) Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers make it back to the NFC championship and send Tom Brady home into the divisional round Mm. for the second straight year. I think this 49ers team is just has like an instant upgraded quarterback with Trey Lance. I've made it clear already how high I am on the 49ers. So I have them advancing to the NFC championship and the Rams beat the Packers at home in the divisional round. So we end up with the exact same NFC championship from
2: last year, the Rams hosting the San Francisco 49ers. All right. For me, I have the two seeded Minnesota Vikings taking on, the Buccaneers, the three-seed at home. And then I have the one-seeded Los Angeles Rams taking on at home the four-seeded Dallas Cowboys. And Minnesota takes down Tampa Bay, really high on Minnesota. I've mentioned that a couple of times. I think they beat uh, Tampa Bay at home. And then I have the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, taking down Dallas relatively easy. Um, I think everybody knew I had to give Dallas the nod over Detroit, so they just kind of got a free pass. On my side, but so that sets up the Los Angeles Rams ver- t- taking on the Minnesota Vikings, and it would be at the Rams Stadium.
0: So wait, so Brent, what is it about the Minnesota Vikings
2: that has you so intrigued? Um, well, Justin Jefferson is probably one of my favorite players in the NFL right now. Um, I think that their offense—they have a lot. They have, I mean. It comes down to Justin Jefferson, really. Uh, I know he doesn't complete the team, but I love him a lot. And I think that he is an outstanding talent. But also, I don't think Kirk Cousins is as kind of washed up as lots of people think he could be. Um, Adam Thielen is still kind of hanging on there. They have K.J. Osborne, who's a good three, and their wide receiver. And I really think that their defense, I mean, they're not – I don't think they're underrated. I feel like people kind of give them the credit they deserve. But I feel like they're going to be a lot better than they have been in the past. They have a good O-line blocking for Kirk Cousins, and and he has the good receivers to get out of any situation he could be in. Justin Jefferson really good at just getting any ball that's thrown his way. And I ultimately think that the defense is going to be much improved uh, overall just as a team. Uh, So, yeah, I just am high on the Minnesota Vikings. Well, I don't really feel the same for a number of reasons, but
0: we don't have time to get into that right now. Jake, what do you have, I guess, for the NFC Divisional?
1: Okay, so I'm serious right now. I think my website had what's going on. I think every single record is different than what I had. Um, but what I had last time, I believe I had the Vikings against the Bucks, And I had – oh, who was it? Okay, so from what I remember from doing this earlier, I had the Vikings and the Buccaneers in the conference championship. I had the Rams getting upset, I believe – it was the two seed versus the three seed. And I don't even remember. But all I have that I remember is the Vikings against the Buccaneers. I'm very high on the Vikings as well. Um, I think they're going to get it done. I think they're last year's Bengals. Um, and they make it to the conference championship.
0: I, I, do I, I don't want to give a lecture on why the Minnesota Vikings are not a high level football team right now. I really don't feel like doing that. But. Like Just to sum it up, Kirk Cousins is not a winner, never has been, never will be. I don't think there's any reason to believe why that defense should be improved because they barely brought in anyone to help over there. I mean, they got Sidarius Smith, whoop de doo And and the big thing is that this team lacks a lot of depth. They lack depth at positions like wide receiver, like cornerback. So if a main guy goes down for them, good luck. They're done. So, there's a lot of reasons to be weary
2: of the Vikings, at least for me. But the thing is, is, we're not planning for – we never, like, assume that somebody's going to get hurt and it's going to derail their season. We're assuming that everybody's healthy. In a perfect world, if Justin Jefferson and all these guys are healthy, you don't have to bring in the backup strings. And, I mean, it's Justin Jefferson, man. He's, like – I mean, what more do I have to explain here? Like, Justin Jefferson equals winner. And Matthew Stafford was not a winner until he left the Rams – left the Lions, which – in the case of Kirk Cousins, would mean he'd have to leave the Vikings. But at the same time, I think that Kirk Cousins just needs time, and he has that time this year with a really good receiving core. And I think that you don't necessarily have to bring more guys in to be better at defense. You can also grow with the team that you've had and, I mean, also improve over the offseason is typically what happens in your sport. You improve and get better. And I think that time together and improving over the offseason is what is going to help the Vikings' defense.
0: Yeah, but it isn't going to turn them into a 12-win football team that's all of a sudden going
2: to be better than the Packers. I mean, like, you have the you have the Steelers at, what, 11-6, 12-5, and, and they just lost a Hall of Fame quarterback and don't have a great team, but, you know. They didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback last
0: season. Uh, let, let's just make that clear. Is he a Hall of Fame quarterback, though? All time, yes, but he was not that okay. last season. So I don't know what to tell you there. I don't want to argue about this. We're going to get, I guess, into the AFC game.
1: I fixed my app, by the way. Isn't that awesome? Okay, I'm going to redo this. (laughs) I had the two-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers going against the three-seeded Vikings. Then I had the Los Angeles Rams playing the Green Bay Packers. And I had the Rams winning. And, yes, I did have the Vikings win. And For the other one, I had the Buffalo Bills defeating – the Denver Broncos, and the Cincinnati Bengals defeating the Chargers.
0: All right, yeah. Okay. So my AFC championship is the one-seeded Buffalo Bills against the six-seeded Denver Broncos. And this is Buffalo's year. It That seems pretty obvious, at least for me. This is going to be a home game at Buffalo. There's nothing standing in the Bills' way at this point. And obviously the Broncos are – making a great run here, getting all the way to the AFC Championship as the sixth seed. They've won two road playoff games. But at the end of the day, I just think the road environment at Buffalo, along with how good the Bills are, is just going to be a bit too much for them. So, yes, the Buffalo Bills win and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl.
2: Well, my turn. Uh, I have the Bills playing the Chargers. And I have the Bills winning, advancing to the Super Bowl. Uh, like Roman said, very complete team. Uh, probably the best, they are the best team in the NFL this year. So uh, beat the Chargers. Uh, it's going to be a great game, though. I can tell you that. Chargers versus Buffalo for the AFC Championship. That's going to be the game of the year right there. It's going to be a great game down to the wire. I'm just telling you now. But Buffalo wins and advances to the Super Bowl.
1: All right. I've got Cincinnati going to Buffalo. Um, on the road, in the cold, and I've got Buffalo coming out on top. I think that most people do. Buff- the Buffalo Bills are looking, it's like it's like their time this year. And I don't see a reason why they can't get back to it. They look solid. A young quarterback in Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, I don't think they stand a chance against Josh Allen in this newly refined offense with a solid running back one along with a solid flex receiver. So I think they're solid. I think they can get it done.
2: All right,
0: NFC Championship of where is where things get real interesting for me. We have the exact same matchup as we did last year with the Rams and the 49ers. The main difference for me is that the Rams got worse and the 49ers yeah. got better. And as a result, I have San Francisco prevailing. This time around, I think Trey Lance is going to look like the best quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has had since MVP Matt Ryan. That's how well I think he plays, how well I think he fits in this system that Kyle Shanahan has designed. And when you have players like Debo Samuel, like George Kittle, in that offense supporting him, and on top of that, having an elite defense with the best linebacker in football, one of the best edge rushers in football, Javon Kinlaw at defensive tackle has done more than enough to replace the Forrest Buckner. This 49ers team is absolutely tremendous. And against a depleted Rams team, I don't think the Rams stand much of a chance in this one. So give me San Francisco to go to Buffalo or to face Buffalo in the Super Bowl.
2: Well, I don't think the Rams got worse as a football team. I think they stay about the same, but Minnesota wins nonetheless. They're going to advance <laughs> to the Super Bowl to take on the Buffalo Bills, represent <laughs> the NFC for the championship. Because why not, baby? Let's ride.
1: Okay, so again, <laughs> I'm so sorry. My website messed up. and This is why you write I, it down. I, I thought I should have, but I didn't. I just thought the website would work like it always was. I did not have the Minnesota Vikings going to the Commerce Championship. You're welcome, Roman. I had the Buccaneers winning. So my Commerce Championship looks like the one and two seed for me the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that the Rams did not get better. Um, they, you know, they brought in Allen Robinson to replace a injured Robert Woods. So obviously, you know, halfway through the season, Rams are going to look better because they were without Robert Woods for those games. Um, so I like that. I think they're solid on offense. Um, the tendonitis scares me for Matthew Stafford. I have my own experiences with that. So I know that's going to suck. So we'll see how that, um, turns out for him. But I really think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got it, are going to get it done. Tom Brady's actually won the Super Bowl every single, every two years of his career for a long time. So I think we could see him back there. Um, And that's why I have them prevailing over the Los Angeles Rams.
0: I can certainly see the Bucs getting it done. If I didn't have the 49ers, I would probably have Tampa Bay going. So I can certainly see it.
1: Yeah, I can. I see the the new quarterback and the old quarterback, um, you know, matching up in the Super Bowl. I, I like it a lot. I think it'll be a good story. Um. So, Roman, who comes out on top? Who's your Super Bowl champion?
0: Like I've already said, and like how I've already made it pretty obvious, this is Buffalo's time. This is Buffalo's year. I think from top to bottom, they're the best team in the NFL. Josh Allen is the top three quarterback in football. Um, the one slight concern about this Bills team for me is that they lost Brian Dable, but assuming that Ken Dorsey is able to assume the role as offensive coordinator successfully, there's nothing hindering this Buffalo team. So, unfortunately for San Francisco, they have to suffer through yet again another Super Bowl loss. This will be their third Super Bowl loss in 10 years. But, you know, still a very successful season for a first-year starting quarterback in Trey Lance. But this is Buffalo's time, and I think they get it done against San Francisco.
2: Guys, can I, can I say that I think Buffalo will win, but I, can I continue my streak of putting Minnesota? No, pick, you have to pick one. I have to pick one?
1: Pick who you think is going to win.
2: I have to pick who I think is going to win. Yes. correct. I can't go with my heart? Unless
0: your heart matches your brain, no.
2: Ah, uh, well, my heart doesn't match my brain, but I don't care. Give me Minnesota.
0: <laughs> oh, good Lord. What? <laughs> The team won't even probably won't even make the playoffs.
2: <laughs>
1: Brett, what prevails Minnesota over Buffalo is my question. My heart. Is there any part of your brain that favors my heart. Minnesota over Buffalo? My
2: heart. It's my heart.
1: Is it because you drafted Jeff- Justin Jefferson? It's Fantasy. Heart. It's
2: my heart.
1: That's that's it's what I
2: thought my of. heart.
1: He is like a Jefferson fanboy if you have noticed.
0: I, I love Justin Jefferson too, but like he doesn't make the Minnesota Vikings into a Super Bowl contender. And if it's he
1: does, heart. I'm going to shut up.
0: I didn't I didn't have the Steelers going to the Super Bowl. I had yeah, but Minnesota's the first round. not my
2: favorite team. I had my I had my favorite team finishing 3 and 14, so I don't want to hear it. Because your favorite team is awful. <laughs> so what's yours?
0: <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs>
2: Your favorite team is just as bad as mine. That doesn't make any you sense. Just, but okay, you just have delusional issues and can't admit that they're that bad. So you had to put them at twelve and five to increase the fantasy. What?
0: There, no one else thinks they're that bad. Every, <laughs> almost everyone is picking in to win at least seven games.
2: Seven games is not the playoffs. Seven games is not winning the division. Seven games is not the three seed in the AFC.
0: <laughs> yeah, but seven <laughs> games is winning, isn't? isn't four. Most people are picking Seattle to win three or four.
2: These two teams Man, are not terrible. I cannot wait for like them not to win a game. That would be wonderful. Well,
1: well speaking of people who think teams will be terrible, a Super Bowl contender in San Francisco, Jack thought would go three and 14, which is hilarious to me.
2: Yeah. So I don't want to uh, hear it.
1: Our predictions are everywhere, and I love it. Minnesota. My heart. Brent, I am very hot on Minnesota. I think they're the last year's Bengals, but they are nowhere near a Super Bowl contender. But we'll see about that.
2: Okay. Uh, My Super Bowl, as I said. Go ahead. My brain thinks the Bills will win, but my heart says the Vikings. And sometimes it's better to go with your heart than your brain.
1: That's true. Well, we'll see how the Lions turns out for that one. All right. So we've got the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) <laughs> and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As I said, this would be an absolute perfect matchup. The new quarterback, the new rising quarterback, who I think is the best in the league, against Tom Brady, the go-to football. He he retired this year and came back. He couldn't do it, and now he's back. I think this could be Tom Brady's last season. He is passing the baton to Josh Allen. As I said, you added a slot receiver. It's going to be awesome. You've also got Stephon Diggs. I mean, this is going to be perfect. I think this is the Bills' season, as Roman has hit it on all, you know, all this offseason about how this is their season. I think he's he's spot on with that. The Bills get it done, and they eliminate what has been a very, very bad Super Bowl history for them in the past.
0: All right, so everyone thinks it's Buffalo, even though Brent is putting in his pick as Minnesota because his heart or whatever. (laughs) Apparently, he – He's doing a heart pick for a team that isn't even his favorite team, which makes no sense to me. But, I mean, w- w- whatever. Wow. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Respect the heart, man. All right, let's look at this past week filled with a lot of a, uh, fun events. Roman, you've got school starting in two days, but before that, how was, uh, how was your week?
0: Well, it was another relatively quiet week, just getting ready. Start college, got my laptop in and all that kind of stuff. You know, just going over syllabuses and stuff like that. So this week was mostly filled with college preparation and all that, getting ready, you know, to get on campus. Come this coming Monday afternoon. So, yeah, exciting.
2: Right. Um. it Roman didn't even mention that we had dinner the other night on Monday. <laughs> That was fun. Oh yeah, that um, did see happen. Roman for the first time in, <laughs> for the first time in a while. but uh, just had school this week. Me and my buddy Jake gotta commentate um, what looks to be in another atrocious Arlington football season, but we don't know that yet. It's only been one game and we're gonna keep our hopes high for the season because it's only been one game and it's only been one game and losing 35 to 0 in your first game is not that big of a deal when it looks like nothing has changed at all. It's not that big of a deal. I promise. But Uh, we had had fun commentating, and uh, I had a kind of race today, so that was kind of fun. But my cross-country season officially starts next Saturday. I'll have my first race, so I'm excited for that.
1: All right. Looks like it's my turn. Uh, It was a fun week. It was extremely busy. Um, I started work back this week, um, scoring some games at Bellevue. Um, but other than that, it was filled with a lot of preparation. Obviously, we had to prepare for the game. That might have been the most preparation I've done for any game besides the district game last year, um, just figuring out who these teams were and what they looked like. And after all the preparation and all the uh, chatter around the school, I thought Arlington was, uh, was new, was a uh, new team, new coach, everything. But it looks like the uh, the rekindled MUS Owls, you know, did not want to allow us to show off our strengths. And they definitely did that. They got on top first and just did not want to slow down. Um, but I had a blast. It was my first football game, play-by-play, which obviously there's some stuff to work on. But it definitely, you know, I feel like laid a good foundation for me and Brent moving forward. Um, hopefully we can clear up the audio issues. That really, you know, threw us off for a little bit of it. Um, I got to teach on student ministry on Friday. Um, didn't really start preparing until Thursday. Um, I didn't have much time to do it during the week. Um, so that was good. Um, taught on, you know, what it looks like to be a, a godly influence in the school environment. Um, so that was good. Can't wait. We had about 60 to 70, which numbers don't matter, but when it's that many people at 615 on a Friday morning, it was, it was pretty cool to see that many people show up. So I hope more people keep coming. Um, but yeah, pretty fun day. Um, pretty fun Friday it was busy slept into about noon today because I was so tired. Um, But yeah, it was a relatively uh, fun week. So do you all have anything else?
0: Well, I do have to say it was super weird for me to be on the other side of the Tiger Life football stream or whatever after being, you know, the voice or the so-called voice of the team or whatever for the past three seasons. It was my it was the first stream in nearly four years that I just wasn't involved at all. But I'm glad you two are holding down the fort over there, continuing to improve and all that upon, you know, I guess what I helped build, you know, over the past, you know, several years. So yes, I'm super excited to see the future of tiger life media, even if I'm not going to be involved. So yeah, good job on Friday night. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So yeah, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode.
1: Thank you for listening to episode 16 of men and hoodies. We hope you enjoyed the NFL playoff predictions. Next week, we will bring you a strict college football episode. I know we're excited about that, so come back to see our predictions for those things. Share the word about our podcast with others, and while you're at it, tell them we're available on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.
2: The water chose me.